Hello and welcome to the latest Record Circuit podcast. I'm Graeme Young and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon to discuss all the latest from Celtic Park. On the pod today, we look at Celtic's glory Europa League run, but how far can Neil Lennon's side go in this competition? And Tram's the man for Celtic, but will the French midfielder capitalise on his big moment in Rome? We also look at Jeremy Frimpong and his telling impact as he looks to keep El Hamid and Bauer out the side. And it's never too early to talk transfers as we discuss what's going on at Celtic Park ahead of the January transfer window. Michael, how are we? Very well, thanks, Jimmy. Um, been a good week. I mean, I was in over in Rome for the for the game last week. Um, incredible trip. And then um, just as exciting was the, the Sunday afternoon at Parkhead against Motherwell. So I was at both the, both the games. Slightly different environment, a different atmosphere. But it was, um, yeah, it's been a, it was a great week. Uh, for Celtic and a great spell actually from the last international break was it 7 out of 7 they won um, going great guns but um, I think there was 9 10,000 folk last week in, in Rome I don't think they'll forget that trip no hurry I think it was um, one of those m- like special epic trips I think um, but yeah it's all well I think you touched on it the other f- special epic trip and everyone you speak to for journalists punters even board members and celebrity fans seem to have an amazing time with Rod Stewart. Uh, phoned the hotline on Friday to uh, big up his experience in Rome, but it's a special city and I think supporters, obviously there was some unsavoury scenes uh, the night before the game, but everyone's been talking about this wall of noise when Olivier Cham's goal hit the back of the net. Can you tell us about what it was like in the stadium? Yeah, it was one of those special European moments. Um, I mean, the trip itself, I, I went late in the, the Wednesday night, um, but you could see that, I know there was, a, there was, there was outbreaks of, of trouble around the city, but I, I don't think it was, I mean, a couple of guys got injured, who don't like to see else as well, but it was, um, it was terrible. Um, but I don't think, I think people speaking to people who were there, I don't think it was as bad as maybe they, they were feared. Um the, the much worried booze ban wasn't that wasn't it wasn't it wasn't as bad as either they managed to get a beer and uh, more importantly it wasn't um, applied as rigorously as, as they feared either so I think they made the most of it but um, listen it's just a setting I mean the, the, you walk into the stadium and it's it's that iconic Olympic stadium it's the place we I don't know you're a bit younger than me I suppose but watching Italian football on a, on a Sunday on Channel Four. Watching a massive fan. I wrote an article about it. Well, there you are. Sorry, <laughs> you must have been about, about five at the time. <laughs> but it's the, it's the scene you could see Gaza jumping over the holdings. Was it was it Pascal Bruno getting sent off in the derby and all that kind of stuff? Um, Paki Boner at the World Cup. Uh, you could see all this in this environment, and then you had this moment with Celtic, and it was um, the game itself was was fantastic. I mean, it was end to end atmosphere. It was weird because it's it's all a cavernous big stadium. And there wasn't that many. Uh, it holds 70,000, 70, I think it holds. Maybe not. Not maybe it's two thirds full. With obviously the last of the stadium, the, the north curve, with the ultra section was shut. But there was still and certainly the crowd, their big crowd behind the goal. And there was a running track and all that stuff. So it shouldn't really be a good atmosphere, but it was. It seems to kind of reverberate around the place, and Celtic fans drowned out the, the home fans for the for the most of the game. Uh, at the end of the match, they had to. I mean, the goal happened to be at like that end as well, the fans' end. And the players all went there, and, and it's just an absolute eruption. And I, honestly, it looked—it was incredible. The noise was incredible, and it was funny because they kept in for an hour behind the game as well. So we were all frantically writing, trying to get our stuff finished up. Last-minute goals are always good for the yeah. publications, <laughs> <laughs> but you could—you could hear them going for about an hour solid because we were—you could still hear them going. So I mean, like I say, I think the people who were on that trip—I mean, we were fortunate there to be there to work. The people who were on that trip would have they will never forget that, that that time there, that one night in Rome. It was incredible. And as you said, you were no rest of the wicked, straight 
back in Celtic duty on Sunday. Uh, a pretty comfortable victory. By all accounts, Motherwell were decent at times, but it's actually, not a bad win, that, is it? No, that's what I, I, mean, I, I wrote in my sport from my newspaper. I think that is actually about as crucial a win as they could get. I mean, it, it, you could tell by the last 20 minutes they looked dead in their feet. I think guys like Scott Brown, even Callum McGregor, who I think sometimes looks superhuman, even these guys, you could see that, that, that the weeks or the, the recent weeks have taken their toll. Um, but they, they managed to get it done without any any kind of um, any moments of panic. The second goal was crucial. The second goal gave them the cushion that, that kind of took any belief away from Mullow. Anyway, I don't think there was an awful lot of belief that Mullow were, were in the game at all times, but not didn't really have that belief that could cause an upset. But set, that second goal gave them the cushion and they saw it out and then they came strong again um, and then ended up off. The guys at the pack were, were pretty solid. So I thought it was impressive because after... After the result of that in Rome, it is easy to be a bit, bit more flat. The atmosphere wasn't quite as intense. Obviously, it's not going to be. It's a freezing cold day after a, a high of a European game. Um, but they got the job done, and I think that was, it was, it was really important. It was quite impressive the way they done it, actually. And again, Odson Edward, um, he's a player who... You can't, there's only so many words you can use to describe him. There's goals... He's added that physicality to his game, but the assist for the second goal, that yeah. was a real touch of class for Johnny Hayes. That just, I think, proves, he's, if he isn't already, he's, he's becoming the complete player, isn't he? He's top drawer, isn't he? I mean, uh, he has got the whole all-round game. I thought, I felt for me, but in, in the, uh, against Lazio, I think he, his touch wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. Receive it hard. that one versus... That's yeah, he, he got caught up in his legs a wee bit, but I thought his all-round performance that night was... Absolutely exceptional. I thought he was he was tremendous. You see it again, set up the goal, the winner. But I thought he, his all round play gave them a, a torrid time. His movement, his power, like that pace. And he, he can take the ball on his feet. He can turn, spin. I just thought he was a, was a complete performance from him. Apart from the finish, I think he had a couple of wee, wee snuffs that you would expect him to put away. Yeah. Uh, they want to put one wide of the post as well. You think that was going to bust the net with that one? Um, but apart from that, that was the only thing missing because he was, he was exceptional. Um, the only concern about him is he's on his on his Todd at the moment, and he in this this break, um, maybe come at a good time. I mean, it depends if he's involved with France again. Um, but he's there's a lot on his shoulders right now, and it's the next period. Get into the next period that's is very very busy up to Christmas. Once you get back from the international break, it's like it's a crazy period. I and mean, then the, the Scottish one in December is just ridiculous. I think it's eight or nine games. Do you think it's worth it to have the break, or no. do you think teams think it's worth it? I don't think it's worth it. No. I don't. Uh, I know the way, the way it was been sold is that European teams in Northern Europe get to Christmas. They're they're they're, they're kind of half they're lacquered. I would maybe I would start the season earlier, and maybe maybe I I, I spread it out. I like I like the the concept of having a break, but in practice, they end up playing so many games in December. Need a break. I'd rather spread the games out. Maybe have a free weekend here somewhere. I know they all go warm weather training and all that, and they go fly away to Dubai's and stuff like that, but. I don't know. I think the condensed card in December makes it. It's almost like a kind of vicious circle. They get to the end of that, needing a break because they've had so many games. Whereas if you space them out, would they need, the need for a break come yeah. need as much? I don't know. I think it needs something that. Listen, also, I don't like three weeks of 30 football either. That does my head in. <laughs> Speaking from a selfish point of view. Um, but I just, I don't know. I think. Um, listen, the, the key thing, I think, is. The way that the teams in Scotland are doing in Europe this year, well, certainly Rangers are doing in Europe this year, we're, we're cl- slowly climbing up the coefficient league and all that stuff. So it might be less qualifiers required, which means they make a longer summer, which might mean they don't need so much a break in this winter. Yeah. 
So it, they can claw their way out of this situation. But at the moment, I don't think it's the balance is right because I think December's bonkers. That's a fair point. And on you were talking about players who maybe looked like they were feeling the effects of a non-stop schedule, but one player that certainly wasn't was Jeremy Frimpong. It's more than every week and just saying this guy's a player, this guy's an emerging talent. But for 18, um, he's obviously got a bit of development to do physically. But yeah. he's a really special player, isn't he, Mick? I think he's brilliant. I must admit, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's. I love watching him. It's how good he is with the ball um, at his feet. It's not. That's not the norm for a player of that age. Now, I know there's no. technically gifted youngsters, but he's so far advanced and it appears as if he's played for Celtic for years. Like, he just looks part he's of the so fabric. He's just so confident the ball and he's great. I mean, he is, he's, he's all the trickery and all that stuff. and he's got pay, His pace is frightening. I mean, I've, I've seen people saying, oh, he's not been tested defensively yet. Um, I think the reason why he hasn't been tested defensively is because he's so quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, Celtic, the games he's played, Celtic have been pressing quite high at the pitch and all that stuff. But any time there's been a break... I mean, a couple of times at the weekend, the ball came over the top, and he gave a guy, he gave opponents a two, three, four yard start, and he blazes past them and collects the ball. Can't much like because he's got a five yard cushion because he's so quick. I mean, he's a flash. I mean, it's actually ridiculous how quick he is. Um, so that 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 covers. I mean, we don't know what he's like so much against a a modern winger who's going at him and a full back overlap and going at him and he has to dig in. I think. Um, a lot of fans will, will like what they've seen with um, El Hamid. I think he is a, a strong defence first minded. I think he can go. I think he does go forward quite well, but he's obviously slightly more defensive minded. Um, whereas we haven't seen that from Frimpong yet. But and I think he's an attacking force. It's great. It's, it's good to see this, this kid just going at it. It's, it's it's tremendous. And for Celtic now, it's a chance. Obviously, we're hinting at the winter break. It's coming later on, but this is a, a chance for some players. Not all, obviously, many are in international duty, but for some to recharge the batteries ahead of this massive push of fixtures in December, isn't it? It's quite important, isn't it? Yeah. Manager as well and the coaching stuff. Yeah, but this international breaks a pain, let's be honest. It's, it's getting in the way. I mean, the game, especially, well, in terms of Scotland, I mean, I know other countries have got other things going on, but in terms of Scotland, it's, it's, it's getting in the way of a, like an exciting time. Yeah. Um, like we say, with the, the European games, Celtic and Rangers involving great results uh, on the same night, which hasn't happened too much in recent years. Um, and then you get it the Sunday they're both playing at the same time and it's a kind of at one point they've sc- the Rangers have scored two and the have scored one and it's in their, their top their top and it's only November so it's great and then you it's a stop and it's like right we'll see you again in a fortnight <laughs> you're like <laughs> it's like the curtain's going up for the, during, the, um, during the movie um, it's like the end of Lord of the Rings when you get to the mountain like, there's another three movies to get there oh come on <laughs> there's plenty left to do so obviously Celtic booked their place in the last 32 of the Europa League Neil Lennon says it smells at Seville. It's got that feel about it. Now, last year, I remember you and I were speaking about... I was making a rather lofty points prediction in the group with Leipzig and Salzburg. I was saying 14 points, 15 points. Yeah. You told me to get Neil. Yeah. Um, and I think you were right at the time, but there definitely... It's some a surprise. I think I was right at the time. But no, we yeah. proved correct. Uh, so, Rogers obviously, at times, is maybe for someone who's quite positive, urge caution in Europe, Lennon's the opposite. Yeah. He's making things happen. So Celtic in the last 32, and as things stand now, I'm just going to name the teams they could face, Mick, right? In the right. last 32. As Apple it stands, L- yeah. Yeah, as it stands. Apoel, Dynamo Kiev, Hatafi, LASK, I know you know them well, Standard Liège, Lodegretz, Wolfsburg, Munching Gladbach, managed by former Celtic darling Marco Rosa, yep. uh, Wolves, Altmar, Zenit, Locomotive Moscow, Red Star or Club Bruges. Now, we're making the point last week that maybe Celtic sometimes benefit from the blockbuster occasion, but this team seems 
totally they're buying in exactly how Neil Lennon wants to play in Europe I think that yeah. I don't think they'd come a cropper against a, maybe a lesser light so to speak but this is the first time Celtic never get this opportunity in the last 32 they normally finish second in a group yeah. they're always playing a box office name yeah. this is a real chance isn't it to make a bit of progression this yeah listen you mentioned some good sides here I mean um I mean, we're talking Witching Gladbach Wolves are in there as well, I think, at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're good, these are good sides. You're not going to hit, you're gonna hit a, an easy team. No. I, I don't think... I mean, And things can obviously change. Yeah, you're talking teams are, are probably going to be better than Lazio. Mm-hmm. Um, Lazio, a decent side. I mean, they're fourth in Serie A. They think they've won unbeaten in six in, in Italy, beaten um, Fiorentina and AC Milan before playing against Celtic. So they're... they're, they're Lazio are a good side. I don't, I'm not, not saying this is that Lazio only are faded glory and all that nonsense. They're a good team. But I think they're not that great at the moment. So you have to be a wee bit more cautious. But these teams in there, there's nobody really to be scared of. There's nobody to, there's not a kind of uh, like a Valencia or... A, I mean, Zenit and then again, Zenit is a tough one. But these are all good teams. But Which I feeling? think Celtic... Are, Do you are, think Celtic can go, up, go far? I think, they're better equipped. I think they're better equipped um, just now. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I don't... Listen, I know that does the fact listen, that it's going for nine in a row does that make a difference? The fact that it's a nine in a row season. No, because it's, it's a game since February. It's, they can worry about it in February now. Um, but I don't, I don't like getting dragged into this. Um, oh, Brendan Rodgers wouldn't have managed that result last week. Or, or, or I mean, or, Europe, Europe under Lenny's better than that. No, I know, I know Rodgers struggled in Europe. But he got to the Champions League twice. Um, I do think Celtic, this current team just now. Under Lenny, I'm not doing the, the Lenny versus Rogers thing because it's different situations, different signings, and all. I think deletes next question. What's that? Deletes next question. Hi, but <laughs> no, cause I've got a call about tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to no spoilers, <laughs> but um, I think they do look better equipped. I think they are more robust, and there's something about Lenny's teams that he, he can produce moments of magic, doesn't he? Lenny, Lenny seems to have this ability to create, and you're talking about Europe moments of, of just. Magic. I mean, almost something's out of nowhere. I mean, I mean Lazio had plenty of chances on night as well, and they create, they get this moment, and they do it. And I don't know if that's the manager. Some listen. Some managers have that alchemy, some that that, that, that stardust that they can do these things. Um, unfortunately, in, in Europe, the previous regime, I think too often they were exposed and lost goals in bunches and all that stuff, and it was a bit chaotic. The reasons for that. I mean, they didn't have centre halves in place and time and all that stuff and. Maybe some of the formations are a bit wacky, a bit, a bit optimistic, playing certain ways and all that. I think, I think Lenin, Lenin has got a European kind of style of playing, and it's not, but it's not back to the wall. That's the thing. Last week, no, it wasn't back to the wall and hanging on and all that stuff. It wasn't like that. It was, it was imposing their own game on on Lazio for long spells. Um, the funny thing was, I thought the game plan last week in Rome was was the Brendan Rodgers blueprint. They never quite managed the high press harassing. Defenders and all that stuff, um, playing with pace and, and all that kind of thing. The thing, things that the Rogers were trying to to get, he got it domestically. Didn't quite get in Europe. Did a couple of times. I mean, Leipzig at home and either like away, much and glad by away. There was a few weak occasions. Didn't get the big marquee result. That's what he didn't. That's what he missed. The big box office result, as you mentioned. But Lenny can get that. But he has got something. Lenny's got that wee bit of magic sometimes in Europe that they can create something and and, and create, create these moments. So. I think they can get past the last 32. I think they can get 16. Um, whether you're talking about going to Seville, I think that's a different... I think that's a big ask. I think that is a big ask. But, because I remember at the time, Celtic in 2003 were in the top eight pairs 
wage bills in Britain. They had Henrik Larson was one of the best played players in, in the country. Um, guys like Sutton, Hearts, and these guys are all among the best played players in Britain. You look at the landscape of football across the globe. Celtic's wage bill is probably the same as it is now as it was then. Maybe even not that much more. Whereas the teams that they play against the Liverpools, the Blackburn, Stuttgart's and all that, they've all rose. Their wage bills have risen exponentially. Celtic has been a bit more static because it's got shit all the way, the way it's been in the last ten years. So I think you're you're it's hard to compare. Because I think Celtic at that time would have been a bona fide top thirty pair in Europe. Whereas now they're they're not in the top thirty they're lucky they're top thirty in Britain. So there you go. There you go. Stats. <laughs> no. So maybe get is it Gdansk the final? Yeah, Gdansk. Aye. So I wouldn't be booking Gdansk just yet, but I think they can go deep into this competition. Well, that's that's you you know in pessimistic mode, but you've given us a bit of everything though. Yeah. Uh, so the man who made it happen, last minute goal. So a wee pitching wedge over the goalkeeper, Olivia and Cham. Yeah. We've probably spoke about him more than any other player, you and I in this podcast about how at times he looks fantastic, other times he's infuriating. Now Celtic specialise in getting market value and a, and beyond for their best players. They know when to sell it at the right time. They maybe in Cham might fall into the bracket of players they've probably got it wrong on. He's a player who probably could have left the previous summer after Porto were very interested. Yeah, yeah could have cashed in. He's not been playing regularly, but when he does play, sometimes he can offer moments of magic as he showed. Is this a chance now for him to really one last time, one big push, get right back into the team and he fits the Europeans I know they've got McGregor, Christie, Brown, yeah. really top players, full energy. But he has got something to offer, hasn't he? But he's not going. To, he's not a likely candidate to go in January. Do you think? I don't think so. I think, I think he's not played enough. I don't think he's played enough this season to get him warrant a move. Um, the big question is who does he replace? Who who's he, whose position is he going to take? I mean, I think the next month and a half is going to be so hectic that there will be opportunities to play. Um, but what is Celtic's first choice midfield? I mean, you're talking Brown, McGregor, and Christie just now, aren't you? Um, and you, do you, would you want to go into a big game without those? I mean, look, I thought, I thought Christie and and McGregor the other night in Rome were incredible. They were the ones that that set the tone. This 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 high press. I know you like to go over kind of yes tactics, modern lingo, and all that. Yeah, he, they were the ones that that that, that forced the press, pushed up the park. I mean, when Christie went you off, like tactics too. Let's not talk know, about it. I'm a bit of a hipster. But it, it, when Christie went off, he looked. He looked as if it, I mean, he was crawled off the pitch. He ran so so much. Him and McGregor put in. The, I mean, they they set the tone. That second half performance, I thought second half of the city were, were fantastic. Um, the, the last bit when Milazzo had to go for the win, there were a few scary moments. But I thought by, by and large, I thought they were exceptional. And those two were the ones driving driving that performance because the energy. Because what they've got is they've got. A perfect blend of, of Scottish and kind of continental because they've got the Scottish run all day mentality, which is um, which we like. But they've also got they're not scared to take a ball on the feet. They have three guys at their backside and they'll take a ball on the feet and they'll knock it off and take guys out of the game, which is what we're doing the other night. And it's like you're watching it thinking that's not how Scottish teams play in Europe. I mean, guy taking a ball on the feet, middle of the park, taking a ball on the feet with three guys above his backside and demanding the ball on the feet, and you think that's not. We don't. We're not. We're not taught to do that. I think that's the kind of last ball you play, and because that, that's the it's old man on shout. It used to be man on was a shout. I mean, don't give it. Don't give him it, or get rid of it. Whereas now it's get it into your feet, and that will take out guys at the game, and that got Celtic on the pitch so many times. Um, 
Cham is a different kind of player. I think he likes to see the pitch in front of him. He takes the ball at the feet as well. Uh, and he can do a spin and he can make a pass. I think he's good at that. I think he's a good player. I just don't know where he fits in just now. I just don't know. I don't think you can dislodge the, those two. Scott Brown can go forever. You think maybe there's a... I think McGregor might drop deeper and then you see Cham, McGregor, Christie in maybe a couple of years' time. But whether or not he stays that long, we don't know. Um, I think for him, he should just knuckle down and think that's that's long-term. Because that's there. the thing as well for someone in Cham. Uh, as much as he gave it the big talk uh, in the summer of it moving away, doesn't matter unless you're going to the very, very top clubs in the world, right? Yeah. You're never going to experience what he experienced when he put that ball in the net, the crazy scenes behind the goal, the players, the adulation, everything that comes with it. And I think that could be well a reminder for him that, that Celtic, as much as it's maybe not the most desired league in the world, still a club that can offer moments like that. No, actually, at the moment he doesn't. He's not He's not going to get a game at that level just now because he's not playing for Celtic. You can't get a game for Celtic. Um, so it's, it's, it's up to him. You look at, you look at the examples of... Dembele, now Edward, they're guys that, that are there and everyone knows they're not there forever. I mean, now it's Edward's the one. How long can they keep Edward? Um, and listen, nobody knows that one day he is going to go and he's probably going to go to the very top because he is that kind of player. Cham should be thinking, well, that's where I need to be. I need to do that as well. But you've got to be playing to do that. You need to, to be doing the work. I mean, I mean, Odson Edward just now is doing a shift, a unbelievable shift. And that's probably his motivation. Let's, let's be honest. He's thinking, if I do the business here, I'm going down the Dembele route. I'll get, I'll go that. I'll be in the English Premier League. I'll be 150 grand a week. Bentley's and swimming pools for the rest of my life. That's what he should be trying to do as well. Um, and then Celtic get the benefit of that because he plays well for Celtic. He gets his move eventually. Celtic get a big wide of cash and then repeat the fade. So it's, it's that's how these that's how the model works. Uh-huh. But it's up to the player. It's not up to anyone else. You take me on nicely. Uh, what Celtic fans in this podcast crave transfers, transfers, transfers it's what makes the world go round Michael and you're writing on digital all over the world, that's what it's all about and Celtic are, are getting closer to the January transfer window Nick Hammond um, now in his permanent role with the club head of football operations Yeah, I think it's going to be quite a wide ranging brief but obviously bringing players into the club, Neil Lennon hinted the other day that he's looking for reinforcements Lee Griffiths is still that's the only area I think needs, needs addressing. But what kind of player do you think? Is this going to be a squad striker, someone like, I say, a Shane Long or a player like that? And I'm not saying Shane Long's on Again, small money. I know, for years every, years, every I know but I think Neil Lennon, I remember at the time, oh, going back years now, but Neil Lennon was wax lyrical about his abilities and that style of running. And I know he's not an actual yeah. goal scorer, but he'd obviously offer something. But that kind of player, or do you think Celtic, would they ever maybe hedge their bets and spend Edward or Julian money on another striker knowing full well that Edward will probably leave in the yeah, summer. Do you think I that's would, a possibility? No, I would, I would think, I would be astounded if they wouldn't spend £10 million on a striker in January. The January window is a, a stinky window anyway. It's, I mean, inflated prices, teams are panicking and all that. and It's not a great market. I think Celtic will be looking to pick up a kind of, a kind of hungry striker who... I'm not saying we'll be happy to play second fiddle because they'll, they'll get games. Something they can guarantee you can bang in goals domestically. Um, and see, that's the thing. Do they go down the kind of Jermaine Defoe aging striker route, the, 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 the track record and big money and all that stuff, or do they go for some young, hungry guy that could come up and maybe even again, maybe back in the even back, back like Scott McDonald kind of characters, these kind of guys. They come in and uh, Anthony Stokes, these kind of players that come in and do the business and score 15 goals, 20 goals a season. 
um, and contribute because that's that's what you want. Griffiths is that guy now, but he's just not quite there fitness wise. And I think, listen, you have to be realistic. They need to to have someone there. You can't maybe not rely on 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 on, on Griffiths just now. Um, You're forgetting about Vakin Bio as well. I, can't. I know he's injured. I know. I I don't know. I know. Listen. People keep telling me he's a, he's a prospect and he's and he's I keep getting told he's either really good or really bad and he's a bit raw and all that stuff. I, I, I remain to, to see it. I don't... At this point in time, I've seen precious little evidence that there's, there's a player that can cut it to Celtic Park there. Um, and I think for a player like that, there's been flashes or, or something, but overall, uh, he's, he's nowhere near that level of... If Edward was able... Uh, no. Lost, happened, there was an injury, you wouldn't trust Bio to be able to come in and fill the breach, would you? No, I mean, you're not going to get someone like Hudson Edward, but you need someone who you can rely on to bang in, like I say, 15, 20 goals a season and be a threat up front and uh, and lead the line when need be. I don't think he's not that guy that won't. I don't, I just, I just, listen, you've got to give a guy a chance. I mean, at the moment, you're kind of failing in that, I mean, a Bowie Kawasi type kind of situation, a lot of money, a player that doesn't look as though he's going to be the guy at any point. And I heard the same thing about Kiwasi. It's now about two years old. That was on. me saying that. I was a big fan. Yeah. yeah I don't know. People, people tell me he's a player, but I, I, again, I, I think I was wrong. I've not got the evidence to, to back us up. I don't know where I don't know where the evidence is to show that these guys are, 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 are going to cut it at Celtic. What um, about another name I'll throw out there? Victor Wanyama. I think you, he cut it at Celtic, yeah. Yeah. I think he did. I'm uh, saying, in terms of January, do you think... He, he was murmurings again. I think you wouldn't, you wouldn't, he was on the radar. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't count it out. I mean, would he be welcome at Celtic? Of course, he would be welcome at Celtic. He's a world class player. Um, comes with a lot of. I mean, I imagine the wages wouldn't be cheap. That's for sure. I mean, we command a hefty wage. But then you look at Fraser Foster coming on loan, um, which I thought would be, be maybe beyond um, Celtic in terms of wages, but they managed to get there um, and look at the impact he's been in setting spell. So yeah, but then again, it goes back to well, is he going to displace the guys? I don't think that's an area of the pitch that really needs surgery. Yeah, but, I th- I think but if you get a chance to get him, you, uh, you go and get him. I think think the head Europa League big games. Yeah, he just adds that sturdiness to the middle, and people forget as well that Scott Brown didn't start or didn't play the night against Barcelona. Gary Hooper never played that night either. Banyama was so important to that. It side. was, he's, yeah. Big, powerful, strong player who's had a good career. I know it taught him now; it's starting to fizzle out. But yeah. I think people forget he was pretty impressive at Southampton, and he's had plenty of big moments. It taught him as well. Yeah, he was great at Tottenham for a while exactly. as well. So it's not uh, no. obviously the move back to Bel- uh, back to Belgium fizzled out in the summer, and um, there was, he's a name, isn't he? And he's I think it's a player. Uh, Neil Lennon in the past, I remember when he was Hibs boss guys like Kelvin Wilson when he was still playing. Yeah, yeah. for Hibs. I think Lennon's got a. A trust factor in players that he's worked oh, with previously, and I think most managers have. But well, listen, he went and got Fraser Foster's a, a big one. Yeah. Um, Celtic have been fairly well equipped for goalkeepers. I mean, Greg Gordon and Scott Bain are decent keepers. Good fact, they're decent. That's a bit disingenuous. But they've went and, he went and pushed the boat out to go and get Fraser Foster, and already it's it's paid off. I mean, he's back to his best again. Um, he just he just does things that that he makes things look easy that our keepers make look worldies, and. Um, so he's been that's, that's a guy he's trusted. These other keepers couldn't save in the first well, place. Well, that's I mean, I think it does. I mean, it does makes things look sometimes quite easy that aren't that aren't easy. Um, with a couple of saves that it was brilliant. The second half of the night with a couple it? of saves in Rome that you think that they look just look good, decent saves. But it's all about where he is. Mm-hmm. He's using his. I mean, he's a big, massive guy, but he's he can move. He's he's agile. See if the head on the first half. 
he made it look quite like a straightforward save. It was a, absolutely, honestly, listen, speaking as a, a goalkeeper who played in the League 2 and in, in, in the Juniors <laughs> 20 years ago, that was an incredible save, getting down for that. that a guy six feet, six feet five, six feet six, something like that. Six, seven, getting down for that, making it look easy, but he's been brilliant. Um, so he does like guys he can trust, but Wanyama, oh, listen, they, they, they jump, jump from a heartbeat if they can get him, they will probably try, but are you going to pop Scott Brown and Callum McGregor out of the team anytime soon? But I think that's the John McGinn argument, isn't it? Or John McGinn, where's he got to play? There's always got to be injuries, there'll be suspensions. It's that extra option. I know, but you're not, you're not talking about you're talking about Scotland's player of the year and Callum McGregor. Uh-huh. Um, and Scott Brown, who again showed last week in Rome, has, has worked the team. Of course, I get um, it. The one thing I would say, you talk about my love for tactics... Uh, one of Victor Wanyama's best games for Celtic was playing in a 3-5-2 one of the central defenders uh, the game against Rangers the 3-0 after they won the title under Lenny was excellent that day um, so there's definitely options if he was brought in it's not a case of yeah it could be but I'm, I'm putting it out there and ah, we'll see how we go it would be, I mean, it'd be the fans would go to Onto if they get him again but um, I think a striker is the big priority it's, that's not even a want that's a must that's a need that's a must excellent well, thank you very much for that today Mick that's all from us this week. We will be back next week. Uh, so don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you like this, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.